You're listening to Red Nation Online. Giovinco hits it hard, doesn't quite get it in the corner, but it's a great save. He goes with commitment. Saturday, March 4th, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, and welcome to Season 11 of Toronto FC and Season 9 of Eastside Stand-Up. We're live and direct at the Football Factory, wrapping up TFC's nil-nil season opener against Real Salt Lake. Well, how much can you say about a scoreless draw? Toronto had their chances, and we run through players such as Jovinko and Josie Altator, the transition into broader topics of the squad, such as Victor Vasquez's performance, chances for 2017, as well as a busy week of Bill Manning's comments on the Canadian Premier League and our new wall of honour. It's all this and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. here with the musical background probably turned out at some point but anyways Aaron here we are yeah we're back season season nine season nine of B-Side Stand Up we've uh, definitely lasted uh, colder today than it was for MLS Cup Final that's that's something of note so I think last year in the opening when the opening games we were outdoors I feel like we we Sucked it no, up. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know if I was there for the opener. I remember because I brought my trusty jacket again. And, and really early in the season, we decided to go to the park and realize what a mistake it was because it was actually like the close to zero. Yeah. That nighttime was a little too cold. Mm-hmm. But but today, there's no chance of being in the park. But. <laughs> no. It's, uh, it's, it's brutal out there. And I should, you know, start it off by... I guess uh, a little bit of a preface of some sort, just being like, because the last episode we did was wasn't even TFC related. Uh, we didn't do it as TFC preview, and kind of, I think when we were maybe hashing out if we wanted to go ahead and do that, I think we kind of looked a. I mean, the season ended so late, yeah. And usually we're really chomping at the bit to kind of yeah. get started up again, but it was like, man, I mean, we finished in December, and then there wasn't a lo- load of action really yeah. this year in the offseason. I mean, it was really the two signings were the big things for Toronto FC. So I think it kind of got to a point where the, you know, the preseason came up so fast. Uh, the season has obviously come here so fast. Yeah. And uh, the free Stingray music. Here we are. Yeah. Opening opening weekend. And uh, as everyone will have known by this point, Toronto FC, a nil-nil draw with Rail Salt Lake. I mean, first impressions. I mean, I, okay, we started this. I'm sure that's the time of the spin we might get. You know, start. We're gonna, they're gonna, we're gonna hear about the defensive uh, astuteness of TFC and starting the year with a clean sheet and a point. You, you know, we're on our way to what's the goal? Maybe five points we want at the start yeah. of the season. Yes. So we're, yes. we're on track. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Well, last year, last year. Now, now it comes back to me. Last year was that game against New York, wasn't it? Where we were worried. And, and we came out with something at the end of it. And, and the key last year was that defensiveness. Like, because we had a weird thing. We had five games on the road or something like that. Yeah, I think more than that. Yeah, and it, it was like, you got to be defensively minded to get a few points in. So when it comes to the playoffs, you have enough points 
you know, when it counts kind of thing, right? Yeah. So you're not behind the eight ball, you know, eight, ten games into the season, right? Yeah. So and I think this week, this year, sorry, this year, if I'm not mistaken, it's just three three road games before we get uh, oh, okay. post uh, Sporting Kansas City on the 31st of March, Friday night, if I have that correct. Um, but of course, here we are on the road against Real Salt Lake. Not, not necessarily a yeah. You know, a rival or a marquee yeah. matchup for Toronto, but you know, we were finding ways to come up with storylines <laughs> for this one, some way, somehow. Um, in terms of former players, yeah. uh, I guess obviously there's the coaching and the and the organizational connection between Toronto FC and Real Salt Lake. You had some interesting analysis in terms of you know where Real Salt Lake is now and where yeah. Toronto FC could possibly be in five or six years because. Of the management... Uh... Yeah, well, I think that has something to do with this game because I don't think of Real Salt Lake as a challenger in the MLS where going into last year, I did see the Red Bulls as a challenge as we saw, right? Because they ended up winning the East. So to me, I think the odds were that this game was mostly even, which happened, but I'm slightly disappointed because I think Toronto could. You know, if we're that team, if we're the same team that... You know, beat Philadelphia, New York City handily in the playoffs. We should be a team that could, you know, beat Real Salt Lake because they're not one of the top teams in the league. But yeah, no, the team itself is going like we've talked about this before. You know, because Manning, the new president of TFC, came from Real Salt Lake, and that's where his credits given what he did with Real Salt Lake. And the thing was, and I, you know, I said I could segue this into this game because. Where we think he was given most credit for was players like Morales, who's no longer with the team, um, Beckerman, and and uh, Romando, who played significant roles tonight. And that is more to do with his legacy than what he did personally. And, you know, Salt Lake's an interesting team in terms of what they're developing academy-wise and the players that they're looking for, because they are a small, you know, budget team. But they're not. I wouldn't say they're even one of the more exciting teams in the league. I think they're just the average MLS team. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as, as I said, we started maybe segueing directly in the match. You know, there was a lot of, there's a little bit of, I don't say, a little bit of hype around. We're also like, obviously, MLS.com publishes, or MSSoccer.com publishes their, I don't know, how, we like to phrase it, like to hype themselves up. And, yeah. you know, well, obviously, one of the players on Real Salt Lake, the Czechoslovakian uh, player, by way of, uh, Groningen in in the Netherlands is the guy that they're they're really hyping up, but um, you know you really you look at I mean first off you look at those two rosters and it's it's obvious to me that there's a talent gap there's a quality gap the other thing that it was good about Toronto I thought and we saw that if we look at like the roster of this game I mean Toronto's it's pretty much trotting out the same starting eleven as we saw the last maybe six weeks day two months of 2016 it was a winter break yeah well and if there's anything. <laughs> When you look between the two teams, you say, "Wow, that, I mean, that's continuity. That's oh, yeah, that's sure, something sure. that you know you have you have to sure. say right off the hop. Players aside, I mean, that should be an advantage. Yeah, you yeah, got those. Yeah. That's a, those guys literally walked off the field in December, and the exact same eleven guys walked on the field to start next. That I mean, not well, a lot of teams can say it's that. It's interesting because I believe the Russian Premier League took their winter break before or at the time Toronto was in the MLS Cup final, and they have yet to start. Their, I think they start their league this weekend as well. So they're in the same position, right? Yeah. So, so to, in many ways, it's almost like a winter transfer market opposed to a complete new season. Now, right. now, where this may show on Toronto's side is when we're playing in July and all these players have played, 
the extra five, six games at the end of the season, and at that point, are they kind of tired or, or frustrated, you know, and that kind of thing. But, no, certainly we should, and again, that's why I'm disappointed with this result, because not only player for player, but, you know, what we came into expecting, I thought we should at least got something out of it, more than the draw. Yeah, I think, I mean, if we're, if we're already getting into broad strokes <laughs> with the team, you know, like 10 minutes into the podcast, for me, that's my, for this season, that's sort of my red flag is is going to be the intensity, the hunger, and the lasting power. Like, you know, are they going to be a team that's like, oh, we're, we were so good last year. We'll turn it on when we feel like it, and we'll make it happen. You know what I mean? Are they yeah. gonna Are they gonna be hungry right from the start of the season to make it happen? Yeah. And I think there is a there is a question about today's game about is this drop points? Uh, yeah. And if we look at the first half, if we start off with that, I mean that's the first half definitely was I think especially in the early going very much in Toronto's favor. Yeah. They looked like they were the team that was in control. They were making some pretty good. Pa- I mean, in between, you know, from an MLS perspective, not every pass is a great pass. Yeah. But yeah, I was seeing some balls that there was like, yeah, they were making you know some twenty-yard, fifteen-yard passes straight up the straight up the middle, yes. which is like you don't see that all the time in MLS. You know, you just see them like working on the outsides, a lot of lateral passing. So that was encouraging that we were seeing that early on. Um, and and Real Celtic really had nothing um, for everything that they you know they have Plata out there, they have the Czech guy out there, Mavsivian. Uh, I can maybe try to spit that one out. Uh, that guy's name. They just weren't, they just, it just didn't look like it was happening. I guess the one, the one good thing for Rail Celtic in the first half was Jeff Kassar's sweater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the and I, yeah, I was got to give a big shout out to Robert, Robert Goulet on that one, I suppose. That's why I come up here, Nature Goulet. Shout out to uh, yeah. Will Farrell's uh, interpretation. And, uh, but, you know, I guess we're the only way you can summarize that first half is, is the penalty. That Jovinko had. I mean, that was that was the opportunity. Yeah. That was really yeah. the opportunity for the yeah. win. Um, that was the one of the plays of the game. Of course, there was uh, Altador had a great play before that as well, where he had the ball, uh, the missed header. Yeah, I think he missed the shot just to the right of the post uh, yeah. earlier that day. Well. Yeah, you're right. There's three. There was probably three in the first half. Three great chances for Toronto to kind of seal that, and then of course the penalty. And as soon as uh, Joe Vinko steps up, I mean, we're calling it it's left side. Yeah. He's going left side, and penalty. Uh, it's been a lock, you know. It's for, even though he's been so good at it the last year, and Josie's been okay at penalties. There's still always that doubt from always. <laughs> That's with this team that he wasn't going to pull the trigger properly, and I don't think that was. I think if you look at some of his penalty kicks on left side, this was not. I mean, it was low. It wasn't into the post. Yeah. It was just on the left side. And we've seen him sort of pull them, curl them almost, hammer it into the far left side inside a post. Yeah. And, and Ramondo has probably done his homework. He's like, fuck it. I'm just going yeah. to go to my right. I got a 99 out of 100 chance he's going to go to the right yeah. or to my right. Yeah. And lo and behold, he makes the save. And again, I think that had certainly a complexion on the game because... As we go later into the game, um, opportunities players took at almost, um, what would you call it, desperation, were desperation because of the scoreline, right? You know, you expect, and this is the frustration with Cooper, you expect him to dribble the extra mile or try to pass, go through a guy, and when you're up to nothing and that's happening, you're like, eh. You know, maybe he can break through, maybe he can get another goal to make us 3-0. If it's 0-0, you're thinking, oh, look, they're desperate, and they're just trying to 
break the duck kind of thing, yeah. right? So, you know, I think that's sort of reflected on the game kind of thing. I think on top of that, I think the um, first game of the season, I think, you know, you might question Toronto's unwillingness to do a preseason game at Altadu just to get them more accustomed. think that that would be an option because you could tell by the end of the game both the teams were getting kind of tired and labored. We probably had this conversation before. Is you can't real, you know, at home you can criticize the 0-0 draw because you don't want to watch it. But yeah. you know, in soccer, it's not really the end of the world. You know, it's not. It's not going to cost us. We're not going to look back and go, oh, that extra two points we could have got at Salt Lake the first game of the season means we're, you know, what we are, right? Yeah. So, and, and you'll see, you know, outside of probably. You know, the expansion teams and bad teams this week, a lot of teams are going to, you know, the amount of draws at the beginning of the season are always high in comparison to the rest of the season because teams are finding their foot and they don't want to be, you know, overly criticized. They don't want to say, hey, you know, they don't want to be in Minnesota shoes and lose 5-1. And certainly Salt Lake doesn't want to lose 3 nothing at home and then have that pressure as they go on for the first three things. So, again, I think the other thing, too, with this game is I do think Salt Lake was playing for that no-no draw, right? And, and, and any team plays for that. Lessons to Montreal last year in the playoffs. <laughs> if anyone really wants to play for a no-no draw, yeah. I think your odds are in your favor, right? Because soccer is a breakdown game opposed to, uh, upper, you know, you don't automatically score goals. You have to make those goals, create those goals, right? And if we look at the, you know, that we kind of... Well, didn't really summarize the first half. We obviously picked the, the, the key points for it. The second half, I think there's a couple of things that are worth discussing that are, that are big points. I mean, there was a couple opportunities. I mean, Toronto, uh, jo- Josie Altador had that great play down the, the right side where he kind of worked through the team. Yeah. Managed to slot it over to Jovinko that the shot was blocked. That was a nice chance. Um, Real Salt Lake had a great chance with uh, Beckerman sliding, slotting that ball yeah. over to Plata, who knocked it over goal. Um, maybe from a Toronto discussion perspective, maybe the one thing we're talking about is not Victor Valdez, Vasquez. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else caught that on telecast. We were laughing, being like, imagine they trotted out the keeper. And, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't use it. I'd probably make as many of those mistakes. Well, don't we? Well, we might end up saying, year, we, you know, we might have fucking up again in this podcast. I always, I always make one of those last year, which was one boy, a name for another name. And so, I do it all the time. Yeah, so. Um... Uh, but yeah, no, that's true. And then I also think the second half is the ref killed the game. Yeah, true enough. He, he whistled everything. He tried to take strange cards, of strange cards. And so, and that's the other thing is you don't want to see yourself red carded and suspended, right? So I thought he kind of, he, especially with uh, Dravinko and Eltador, I think he almost put a leash on them, right? It's like I'm not going to let you two take over this game. And so I'm going to have a say in this. And that and the, the Salt Lake defender, Schuler, him and, you know, like it was always give and take between the two, but it did seem Altador was getting a little short against on that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely about that. And then, of course, I mean, I mentioned, I mentioned Vasquez in the sense of uh, maybe a, a bit of discussion on him as a player and what our first impressions of were him. I thought, I thought that was a pretty early substitution, actually. So they obviously wanted to get him in there. Well, yeah, game yeah. Time. I think I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people is Toronto. Now again, the way Toronto's salary is set up, this might be the case. But when Vasquez signed with Toronto, it was said that Pam money was given for that, which makes us assume that Vasquez is almost on DP salary, but the Pam sort of allows him to be still on the team, right? So 
in that sense, I think most of the people, at least in the Twitterverse, thought that he was going to be an automatic starter because he's being paid twice as much as Cooper or twice as much or three times as much as Rosario. And first of all, I don't think he's a player. Like, I almost compare him with Sharuk. He's more added depth than a guy who you're going to rely on 50-50, like a guy who's going to change a game on his own or a guy who's going to be a complete bust. I think he's one of those consistent guys that throughout the year you can plot in, you can use, you can do this. The interesting thing about today is, is they put him in for Zario and I'm not sure he can play the in that within that 5-3-2 system because he's traditionally a more of a number 10, you know, attacking mid center attacking midfielder. So I don't know what his responsibilities are, more as that sort of uh, attacking winger. I think they put him in because they, they also didn't want to put so much pressure on him, right? My, my one observation of him was I thought it was, it's nice to see that there's now an outlet from the back line other than Bradley. Yeah. And that's, I think, something that's going to be like that. You well, I thought, Cooper, you trust I thought Cooper provided a bit of that. And certainly, Cooper's. But you don't trust Cooper to no, then, no, no, then, yeah, yeah. then provide service from that point. That's yeah. what I was kind of was getting at. Like you know that now it looks like there's a guy other than Bradley that can take the pass, hold the ball, and provide service. I would add that Vasquez is probably not accustomed to MLS, and so I think when he gets frustrated by MLS in terms of people not hitting, you know, people not working with him, he might take more ambitious opportunities like Cooper, right? Like, I think Cooper, I think Cooper's interesting because I think the Panama League is like MLS. I don't think they're all good players, right? So I think Cooper goes, hey, I can't pass to, you know, Cooper Jr. beside me. I got to go and run through this team if we're going to score, right? So I think that's instinctively enough. But I also think that that becomes a product of MLS. You see that with Javinko. Right, Javinko in a lot of cases will run with the ball, opposed to set up the you know triangle because he knows that setting up the triangle really won't return him it's the a ball. Waste of time. Yeah. Where if he was in Italy, he probably do that. He probably pass within his guys and hopefully get the ball back on a break or on a return pass or something like that. Right. But so in MLS, it's almost advantageous to take on the defender one on one because your chance of doing something doing that is effective is, you know, passing it off to some guy out and never seeing the ball again, right? Sure. And speaking of Cooper, he was the other substitution down the stretch, and we saw, and that was a bit, eh, I mean, I don't know how much of a talking point this is, but I did think it was, you know, if we if we, we started this off in terms of saying this, this roster was a carbon copy of what ended the 2016 season with, well, that substitution isn't supposed to be Marky Delgado, it's supposed to be Tosaint Ricketts. Yeah and, yeah, and that's what we saw with our. Well, and again, I think, and again, we would disagree with this, but I think the TFC depth chart puts Delgado ahead of Endo and Vasquez ahead of um, Delgado, right? So that's their coordinated who goes in and stuff like that. And I think they always see Ricketts as a one-on-one for either El- Javinko or Altador or a last chance. You know, like you're down by a goal and you need to win the game. I don't think you'll ever see them three as a forward when the game is tied or there's a lot of time left on the clock. Because I don't think that's how their head works. My question for you is, like, it seems that you know, and again, when Vasquez came to the team and what I read on Twitter, it seemed that most people were saying this is what we needed. We needed someone to replace Osario in the team. That's was our weak point. Did you feel that was the case, or 
No. Okay. I never did. Okay. Now, I mean, it, it depends on... Now, it's funny that people say this is what we needed. I don't... If we're playing this 5-3-2 or the whatever, 3-5-2 formation, I don't think it's what we always needed. I think if they go back to like a, you know, a, 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 what is it? A, like yeah, 4-1, 4 4 2 3 one or whatever, right? Like a mid with a diamond kind of formation. Yes. Then I'd be like, yeah, you do need that. You do need that guy that's that link in the middle. Um, I mean, I'm always going to advocate Osorio having a place in that role. And it's not just like, it's not just me necessarily being a, a Canadian homer. Like, I just, I do think, I do think he is a more reliable and steady and more composed player than Delgado and No Chapman, Camargo, all those guys. I think there is a significant gap in not just minutes and experience and games, but I just, he just looked, to me, he just looks like a, a steady MLSer at this point of his career that, that is, is not afraid of the other guys, you know, he doesn't look starstruck out there. He doesn't look out of place. Like, I just think he's... So, but I will say that... Um, I will say this because, I, you know, we talked about a lot that I do still think Osorio, you know, he's, he realizes, like, he's... There's a, there's sort of a hierarchy. And that's the issue with him. And I think Vasquez comes in and, 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 and doesn't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm so far below Altador, Bradley, and Jovinko that I need to just shovel so it he'll off. So he'll take the shot from the 15 or the 18 that... That Zario might try to pass into Vinco. Yeah, like that. I think Vasquez okay. might be might be more prone to like, oh, I'm going to take care of business here. Whereas that's been my criticism. See, of the, Sorry. the question that I have is is, and again, I think in MLS it's hard to find a guy like this. But my issue is Zario, other than the socks, which I hate. But <laughs> the low socks, baby, <laughs> horrible. But um, is he doesn't provide enough. Right, but the irony is, is I'd rather have more of a hard man in that position than another attacking guy, right? And I don't think Vasquez offers either of those, right? You know, like the problem with you know, and, and analytically, statistically, if you look at Zerio, it shows, right? He doesn't take enough shots for the position he's in, but he also doesn't have enough tackles. He doesn't have enough, uh, doesn't run back hard, and you know, and things like that, right? Um, and I don't think Vasquez is that replacement player that you want, right? I don't know what would have been the better option, but... Um, well, like a Dax McCarty? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. That, like, like, that's what I'm saying, something within the budget of the team or something. Like, yeah. I, I'm almost thinking like a Beckerman, right? Like one of those, you know, the LA Galaxy, get the old guy at the end of his MLS career who's trying to go for a championship, and the guy is just going to be in there risking his own, you know, almost a Johnson to some extent, and, and we saw that with Johnson. Like, like the irony is, is I don't think Johnson had a good season last year with Toronto, but because of his contribution in the Canadian Championship, and because of his effort every time you saw him play, I can't talk bad about him, yeah, right? Yeah. Where with Azario, it's almost the opposite, right? Like, and within the moments where he excels, you're very pleased. But then you're frustrated because that's not who he is, right? Where with Johnson, you know who he is, and so you can't really be frustrated that he can't be the sort of next level. Yeah, I I still think, like, for me, it's like you... I still look at 2013 into some degree 2014 with Osorio as as that sort of benchmark of what he is capable of. And then when all these other guys came into the team, you saw that that potential kind of be reined in. Uh, maybe not necessarily by the team, but by himself. That's just that'd be my, that's what I would say about that because I mean we saw him be get stuck in yeah. in 2013. Like he yeah. was very tenacious, yeah. um, and he was 
nice and tidy with his passes, and he was able to. He shot the ball. I mean, he scored goals from 25 yards out, curling it over the keeper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we yeah. saw these kind of plays with him, and uh, in the last two years, we haven't seen them so much. But uh, we we have seen games where he's played like that. I mean, I always look back on the. 2015 game against the Red Bulls, yeah. right? Where we're missing all his players. He played outstanding yeah. in the center of the park because yeah. none of the superstars were there. Yeah. So I think he has it in him, but it's. Uh, and I will say, I will say straight up that I trust Azario within the 90 minutes game in, game out, right? Like, I'm excited to see what Vasquez can provide. Yeah. First, in terms of raising the level of overall play, in terms of the passing and possession and all that kind of stuff. And to see if he does, because, you know, if you go on YouTube and you watch a video of Vasquez, you do get the highlight clips, right? Where he's shooting from 25 yards. You know, we made a joke where there was a free kick and we wanted him to knock Trevico out of the way and just shoot it to the top corner and make a name for himself and, on the team. And that's what you always, what, what we've received. Classic what, what we received with Javinko, right? That we want this sort of blow, you know, like, honestly, in terms of um, first game, you know, like, you know, there's certainly a lot of openers and stuff like that. But that game in Vancouver, where both Eltador and Javinko put themselves on the map, like, that was probably my greatest opener TFC-wise, because... You know, we got what you know. We got what was on the tin, right? We expected that Altador and Javinko could provide this, but then they came out and they actually did that. And I don't think Vasquez did that tonight, right? I think he did an admirable play, and he, you know, he played well for his 30 minutes. But yeah. it's not like, oh wow, you know, like if next week or um, Azario's in instead of Vasquez, I don't think we're gonna complain about complain. it. Complain. I, I, yeah, no, I certainly won't. And I guess uh, Mavinga. Do you have any opinion on that? We didn't see him tonight. No, we so. didn't see him. I think he just had a kid. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think he might have. I think he just had a kid. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm lukewarm about okay. that signing. So it's very. He's for me. He's more wait and see. Okay. I mean, I think you can look at you can look at Vasquez. Does, does Hagelin or Zavaleta worry you? Yep. Okay. They both still do. Okay. They both still do. I mean, I made notes there where it was like when in that first half when. Uh, Irwin rolled it out to yeah, Hagelin. Yeah, and I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck were you thinking? Rolling out to Hagelin with two guys in the same. Like, it's, it's even Hagelin. Bradley. Even Bradley turned yeah. around like, what the fuck? What the fuck were you thinking? It's like, as if Hagelin well, has ever no, been honestly, for two honestly, guys. the ironing, and again, you know, now we're just probably causing controversy, but the one thing Toronto could have done that I think would have impacted the team more than anything is brought in like a, a goalkeeper like Caesar. Right, because Irwin, I'm still not like I. I still think Bono's the better keeper, right? And I like Irwin's story. And last year we were very high on him because the confidence he has and that he, you know, he, he's proven and you know he, he makes smart decisions. But I don't think he's a great keeper. Number one, and number two is I don't think he's controlling the back as much, and especially when you have the wing backs. If, if more on Bertrand are, you know, 30, 40 years up, yeah. you're going to need that sort of goalkeeper to be the, you know, field general in the back. Yeah. And he did a couple. He ran up on a couple of plays. You know, I know that uh, Caldwell was very pro her with yeah, yeah. But he did a couple ones where, you know, he ran up and knocked the ball out of his box. But still, if we had, like, you know, an old experienced keeper, like the when they brought Caesar in, you know, I think that would have told me that this is a step we are a championship team and all we need is this sort of depth to allow us to bring it to the next level because again I think the problem with both Vasquez and Mavinga is it's going to raise more questions than it's going to raise solutions right unless 
they can take this role for themselves and and prove that they're amazing, right? Because yeah. we've seen this with Perky, with who was the the Moroccan guy? Yeah, I was gonna say Qatar. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that was my thing with, with this signing. I was like, yeah. does his CV look any more impressive? It doesn't to me. Yeah. And. You know, every, he kind of got run out of town. Like, no one liked that guy, and it was—it really was like, well, it's a bit hard. You know, he walked in on a pretty like on a sinking ship that year, yeah, yeah. 2014. So it's hard to say, hard to be overly critical of him. So I, that's something that I'm not sold him. And like I said, Vasquez, you can you can just looking at his CV, you can see that like he's got the games under his belt. You know what yeah. I mean? Like whatever it was, over 100 games with Barcelona B, over 100 games I think with Club Bruges. That speaks to something, yeah. right? So whereas whereas um, our defender there, not as many games. You know what I mean? He's a younger guy, but it's like it's almost like his resume actually to me it reads like Darren O'Dee's. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like he was sort of. Well, like, the thing that worries me about Mavinga is there's no history that he ever played center back, right? And this notion that he was sold, you know, fake news. MLS soccer and TFC are the king of fake news. <laughs> but that he was sold as a center back is complete. You know, like you can even see his de- uh, the heat map and all of him running up and down the line, right? That's all he does. Now the irony is. I don't know how athletic he is. He might be a better option on the line in Moro or in the center, yeah, sure, right? Why or, not, or they right? can switch, right? Which which could be 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 interesting. You know, I think it's important why well, I think we gotta talk about them, number one. But you know, it's it's funny because on one end, you know, like one of the problems with Toronto's in is you said, you know, complacency. Last year or two years ago the final was Columbus and Portland. Neither of them made the playoffs last year. Columbus was completely crap. So there's this history of teams not really staying packed and it not really being overly effective. And so on one end, you want to make changes to challenge players, but at the same time, because there's an uncertainty to these players, they're unsure what they can provide, right? Like I'm almost, in some sense, I'm almost like if it was, you know, Camargo challenging Osario. That's almost is interesting to me because we know what Camargo provides, and Camargo is that attacking guy who's not afraid, and Azaria is the more technical guy, right? And yep. so that's comparisons and contrast that you can actually say. But with, as I said, with Vasquez, Mavinga is still an open book, and I don't know already into the season if you want that hanging over you. You know, we might never know who these guys are, right? They might be guys who are, you know, sort of bench guys and just... And I think uh, as a bit of an, an outro to the game, Aaron, or, uh, you know, the last... We go like that last 10, 15 minutes of the podcast. Maybe I'll throw out a couple subject okay. topics. We can pick which one in the, of the week that was <laughs> okay. with Toronto FC. And I think there's an overall theme for some of them that I maybe I'll... They, maybe I'll tie in some of the stuff that we said you know we can we can go on about let me think we can go on about uh, Bill Manning declaring that there should be no Canadian Premier League team in the GTA we can go to Bill Manning unveiling the wall of honor or if we want to stay on the topic of fake news we can talk about Kurt Larson publishing his article about Donald Trump this week now that's uh, you know I say what does that have to do with soccer and then I would just say I don't know I don't know what he's been he has been putting a lot of tweets that have nothing to do with soccer so it's par for the course that, is, that has been a hilarious point of last week I have to say but maybe maybe we won't touch that one but funny enough it was it was him who did the first interview with Manning about the yeah, Canadian Premier League yeah, team yeah. and then Molinaro followed up and then maybe you know the wall of honor one I think part of what I want to well, I, I also think the one I mentioned, too, was their <coughs> promo video 
at the beginning of the year was the was the rowdiness of the crowd coming through the red smoke and, and you know flares. flares and everything. Basically a complete steal of the Nibirati's pre-game walk-in. And then last year, you know, the other than the only other context other than the team you know, eventually turning out good was just how the inaugurator was treated, how they were sort of... Yeah, Bill Manning, on one end, basically one was end like, we're supposed to be a family club, and on the other end, we're trying to do this, and now we're advertising the team as this, you know, like hardcore, we're, we're, we're all together, we're all, you know, and it's just, you know, it's complete... <laughs> I think that's that's what I'm trying to like. I'm trying to bundle up how I'm supposed to express this, where it's like, and you know that wall of honor, where you know it's like you know, a, a, you know most teams like Notre Dame football. There's like they go down the they go down the hall. Oh, and there's the sign over, this. and they yeah, touch it. Yeah. So you know, be a champion today. Yeah. When you go into MLS headquarters, there's a sign that says "Check your humility at the door." <laughs> right? It's just like we've had. One, they had one season to get excited about, which most of these guys had nothing to, like Bill Manning really had nothing to do with this team. And he's out there unveiling a fucking wall of honor. That was, you know, that had, oh, like, funny, someone made a good point of saying, did they, did they, did they query any of the people yeah. who've been around this team for 10 years, yeah. any of the supporters on this, you know, what they think the moments of this, you know, and it's like, this whole thing where they're like, oh, we're honoring the Metro's Croatia. Well, it's, well, it's like, funny, it's funny cause, cause, um, on Netflix right now, there's a documentary on the Sons of Ben, who are the Philadelphia supporter group, and how oh, they yeah, yeah. Philadelphia. It's, it's okay, right? It's classic MLS, right? It, it's completely, there's holes all through it, right? But the one thing that always, that I always excuse MLS is it's naivety, right? Like it's they make stupid mistakes, but they don't know any better, right? Like they're trying hard, right? And almost every American team who fucks up, at least they're trying hard, right? The Canadian teams who fuck up, you know, mostly Vancouver and Toronto, it, it seems to be contrived, right? Like it doesn't seem to be like, oh, we're just making a simple mistake here. We don't know what we're doing. It, it seems like... You know, we're smarter than you. We know what we're doing. You know, we know how to take this and market this and, and, and make something out of this. And it fucking, you know, falls into their face, right? Yeah. So, again, I think the irony is, is because it's MLS and because so many teams struggle with identity and doing what they do, you know, it doesn't look as bad as, you know, yeah. in another league. But, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, like, you know, where is it you're punched so much in the face you become numb? Yeah. Toronto FC promotion, Toronto FC period. Yeah. It's completely, you know, I'm completely numb to, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, the funny thing with the Manning thing was he gave an example of pizza places, and if you're ever in Halifax, there's Pizza Corner, which is the most happening area of Halifax, and there's like eight pizza places in the same block. But, so, you're, you know, talking about, you're talking about the competition with, with yeah, the yeah, CPL, yeah, yeah, yeah. just so the listener yeah. follows. No, okay, okay, he okay. made it in that one, he was saying, you yeah, know, if another, you don't team, want pizza, yeah. Yeah, if another team comes in the GTA, he made a reference saying, you know, you don't want, you don't want to have a pizza, pizza shop and another one show up down the street or next door to you. And then you're, you know, obviously, which is... Which is funny because it's like this is the well, same. The this, is, this is the same organization yeah. that owns uh, two hockey teams, yeah, well, yeah, like five city. minutes from each other. <laughs> huh? Isn't that funny? You know, it's just so, so. Yeah, for me, you know, even like in articles or on Twitter or something like that. Like if I see a hole or, or if I see feel someone needs to be defended, I'll take their side. But for me to uh, rationalize what Toronto FC does anymore, it's just not worth. Like it's. You know, it's not being listened to, right? Like yeah. initially, when we were, when I originally wrote for Red Knight Online 
emperor four years ago, I was giving advice that I thought could help the team. Like, you could do this, you could, you know, this, these are stories that could help the organization. But, you know, it's always deaf ears with them that I'm not even willing to yeah. share ideas. You know, it's just not pointless, yeah. right? And it's, it's, I mean, I, maybe I should frame this for the listener where it's just, you know, I definitely try to separate, you know, watching the game and following yeah. the team from the front. And the funny thing is, like, I almost... The one thing about this season, too, is like you, and I don't think they do. I think the team, the players, don't buy into the hype of like ML, of TFC PR as much. You know, no, I think, no, and no. especially remember last year when, when Manning was the one who was all like, you know, these guys did bad stuff in the South End, there's going to be none of that. It was the players who stood forward and said, we need that support, right? We need that these guys standing up for us and then he sort of rescinded and was like okay well that's why it'd be interesting if there was a CPL team because I think if the salaries were comparable I think people would leave TFC to go to this whatever team the fans or the players no well even the players right like I think the fans is natural because again I think the the, the questions regarding the Canadian Premier League is is we're always jumping ahead of the cart right we all we're already assuming now we are soccer culture and we know soccer and all this kind of stuff and you look at a city like London and they have like 10 teams and so all this kind of stuff but those things didn't happen automatically right those happen because when those teams first started you couldn't travel across the city and go to the other game so you had to support your local your local yeah your local team, team right so I'm still questionable that like let's say hypothetically that there's a new CPL team in Toronto and they play in the Vaughan Soccer Center right or whatever the Ontario Soccer Center I question that people are going to travel from downtown Toronto to see them, opposed to go to Bimbo as Troy. Yeah. Right? But I understand, and, and this was my point when when Manny made those comments. He's afraid of competition, right? Because he's afraid, you know. Like I could easily see them lose out on players, like especially if someone like Sigma is responsible for the team. They're not. They're losing out players already. They lost on Lauren. You know, we know that drafts. You know, teams they seem saying, to have no relationship. Yeah, teams are like, no, don't let Toronto sign. They sign with Dallas, sign with someone else. Don't sign with Toronto. So they've already lost that, right? And again, I think the fans are reactionary. I don't think fans consciously... Like, I think there's a small group of fans, like the Emirati, who are passionate and would make conscious choices on their own. But I think most of the people go to BMO Field will go with the crowd, right? And so if they go to the crowd and they see Ricketts and Osorio and all those guys go to this Canadian Premier League and be honest and say, the reason I left TFC for this team is because I'm not treated right at TFC and this is a team that I can really be behind. I could see the audience, you know, the fans saying, yeah, you know, that makes sense to me, right? Like, I'm not just a customer. You know, I'm not going to sit here and see my season tickets go up, you know, 12% every year without even a say. You know, I want to get involved in something, you know, grassroots, right? And And so, you know, what has me passionate about the CPL is just the idea, you know, the idea that you can be involved in the team from grassroots. And, and unfortunately, I think, I know the CSA got screwed, right? But I think there is even a fan base in Toronto who when TFC first came, that they thought it was going to be a club community team that they could be a part of and they would have a say and, you know, they would be involved in you know, advertising campaigns and marketing campaigns and seat campaigns and all that kind of stuff. And it's basically merged into, you know, Maple Leaf Light or Raptors Light, which yeah. is no, you know, I hate going, you know, you can give me the best seats at a Maple Leaf game, I'll probably turn them down. It's like, 
cows go through a yeah. <laughs> slaughter, yeah, yeah. right? It's, it's horrible, right? Because the experience is so manufactured that you don't really, you can't even enjoy the thing, right? Because the whole thing is manufactured for your enjoyment. That yeah. it's, it's made well, that, for, that was a thought to add on that. That was one of my, I thought one of the funnier points of that article that Molinero posted was that, you know, Bez Pachankos was saying, you know, I hope this league launches, they come to us asking yeah. us for our opinions. And I kind of thought, well, isn't that rich? I'm sure, I wonder how many how many soccer people in the GTA, soccer people in Ontario, and soccer people in Canada, those guys have gone to. No. Right? When this team was struggling and was yeah. trying to get direction, whatever. No, they, they went to fucking Jurgen Klinsmann. Like, you didn't think there was... They've never gone to anywhere. Well, like, even... Um, and even DeVos was saying that, right? He's like, have you ever thought yeah. of having a Canadian on your board or something like yeah. that? That... That understand they were like. Well, I oh. think I think the number. I don't know what the exact number is. It's in you know. It's it's not a significant number, but it's it's a minor number. But I think there's about five or six TFC Academy players this year who've gotten opportunities elsewhere, either USL or something like that. And TFC was nothing behind behind it, right? It was other people within the soccer community within Ontario or wherever who were helping these people get that opportunity. And no one like you know because of the position that I'm in. Yeah. You know, I deal now with XTFC Academy guys, and they say, dude, you know, they're, they're not doing, you know, other than fulfilling the role of getting kids to sign for me when I'm 16, promise me that I'll play at a TFC 2 level, I'm not getting anything beyond that. So, yeah, no, they don't have any interest in the local product. You know, I know that for a fact, right? But arguably, you know, does, does the Raptors have any care for basketball in the local product? No. Does, does the Leafs have any product? <laughs> Probably not, right? So that's this corporate branding, right? We'll yeah. sell, we'll, sell we'll, we'll put a, a soccer team in the, you know, in the bad area of town to show that we care about the community. But, you know, and that's the funny, see, that was the funny thing about the Sons of Benz thing, because they moved the stadium in Chester. Yes. And it's like a ghetto, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's remained a ghetto. And they, when they put the team there, they thought, oh, they're going to turn the whole city into like a hipster paradise. It's the worst. It's worse. It's no so. shit. <laughs> So, Still to this day, I know when people go to games there, and they're like, oh, I'm going to Chester. Like, if you're going from Philadelphia yeah, proper yeah, okay. to a game, and you're like, oh, I'm going to Chester. Without you, you don't reference a soccer game. They go, what? <laughs> Why are you going? To well, no, Chelsea? that's the thing, right? Like, like you know, there that's a naive, it is not innocent, but that's a naive, stupid mistake, right? Where with Toronto, I almost feel it's slightly intentional. Right? Like, I almost feel like... And now, again, I don't know... Like, I don't know if many even knows what the Canadian Premier League is, right? But it wouldn't surprise me if there's someone who's above them saying, whatever. whenever you get talked about the Canadian Premier League, you know, deny it or... You know, like, there's someone within the organization who's threatened by the team. Yeah. So, and I think that's the guy giving the... Yeah. You know, the fear mongering, right? Sure. Like, I don't think it's, you know, I don't, again, you know, ever since Manning's, you know, I don't know him personally, but ever since he's come here, he's, he's, he's been a stupid American, right? Like, he's made hockey references that make no sense. He's made a whole bunch of references that make no sense, including, you know, the pizza one, right? So, yeah. so he just seems like, a, you know, a guy from out of town who doesn't know what he's getting into. And unfortunately, he's not the Lewicki type who love or hate Lewicki. The guy knew the game of soccer, yeah. and he knew how to create, you know, which segue, the folk. <laughs> oh, yeah, back to the wall. 
Holy shit. Yeah, back to that wall. Well, that's, I mean, the wall is silly. I don't know if we want to. <laughs> this has been like ping pong. Well, we're, we're trying to figure. If you, are you doing Ask uh, Sparky? This yeah, year? yeah. Really. Okay. What can we add to the wall? Because suppose you said that the wall is low enough that we could add. Oh, we could add our own thing. So we could, what was it? Is it 383 minutes without scoring a goal to start? Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I think it's a classic. Um, what was it? Oh, nine. Was it nine games without a win to start a season? That should be up there. Um, we, we, we can put a we can put a placard for the 138 whatever players we've gone through in, in eight seasons. I was thinking seven, almost seven. individual player achievements too. Yeah. There's a few of those that we can <laughs> put up as well. Yeah, there's a. I can think of uh, all those numbers. I think should be represented on that wall of honor. Or we should. Or we should like. Maybe find an alternate wall and call it the, just a wall of shame. Yeah. And then we can put those things up there similarly. Well, and I thought the other one, which was very smart that you were saying before the game, was, you know, they have the Toronto Croatia up there, but there's no Subio who played for Toronto Croatia. There's no reference of him. There's this weird gap between, you know, we're wearing the Blizzards uniform tonight, and there's no acknowledgement of the Blizzards on, you know, Paul Soteri, I guarantee one defender of the All-Star in the CPL, right? The old CPL. Yeah. So there's no... It just seems kind of weird, right? Yeah. Like, again, it's just, like... Or my, no mention of the links, even, too, right? Like, yeah. there has to be something in there, too. Like, no, think. I would think, like, again, I think, as you were saying earlier, is, is like, I don't know how you can have an organization, a organization in the city where you don't hire anybody internally within the city, right? Like, you have no... Connection yeah, like, to the city, yeah, right? Like, like, like you wouldn't do that anyway. Like, you don't yeah. start a McDonald's in Moscow and then just have Americans working there. You would you at least hire some Russians to make it look. Yeah, to be like <laughs> Russians don't like this. Like, this is what we eat here. You know what I mean? Stuff yeah. or something like that. Where it's like in Toronto. I mean, Bobby Arushi. Like, there's there's one. What you're seeing now is in a bit that come to root because you're seeing academy kids who were promised things four or five years ago not fulfilling those opportunities and so now you're getting you know objections you're getting voices out there and sure. stuff like that but so maybe we can wrap this up Aaron um, I don't know if we can circle it back to the to the results or, or what's coming up um, but you know what I mean like we said I think no complaints I guess on the on the yeah, results you know so the schedule coming up or no well I know Vancouver is I think Vancouver's in two Ooh. weeks okay so the schedule is so next week we got Philadelphia in Philadelphia obviously the following week after we're in Vancouver and then we're hosting two week break and then it's hosting Sporting Kansas City okay well my that's interesting for me because I I actually have Philadelphia as a good team this year which is against most people's opinion yeah it looks like it eh? and I'm very against Vancouver which is I don't think against most people's opinion but certainly not like in North America and Canada yeah. so so again I think it will be you know um, Vancouver will give us a chance to see Montero and Davies who you know looking like the real deal yeah and and Philadelphia brought in a lot of interesting as you said guys European players but European players with an interest like a, a, quality, a quality track record right like yeah. not the 21 year old you know like the KC guy or I mean like the RSL guy but guys who've been playing in Holland and you know eight seven eight years and, and you know so it'll be interesting how they play as a unit yeah right? but yeah all right, guys. So on that note, I think we'll leave it at that. Aaron Nielsen, everyone gets, gets you at EMB Sports. EMB Sports. Yeah. Uh, are you still tweeting on Prospect Eleven here and there? Uh, a bit, yeah. A bit. Well, yeah. there's there you have two handles. So they can watch out for both of those. Um, and then you can, everyone knows you can get me at Clark R N O. 
Uh, any comments, questions about the game, uh, thoughts, anything you want us to discuss, etc., etc. Like I said, the next game's Philadelphia. We'll be here for that. And uh, I think we'll leave it at that. So thanks a lot, guys, for listening. Thanks, Ann, for coming out. We'll catch you guys next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from The Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.